0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Diet Dump. It's your host, Tess Palin. I'm an eating disorder survivor and future registered dietitian nutritionist. Join me and this podcast in taking down diet culture's myths with the hard facts. From fat phobia to fad diets, this podcast has all the evidence you're going to need to dump diet culture for good and take back your life. This is Wellness with Awareness. Alrighty, so on the agenda for today's episode is first diving into figuring out whether you are in the diet mentality, in our wrapped up in diet culture, and whether it's affecting your day-to-day life, followed by an introduction into what intuitive eating is and what the principles are, and then we'll round it out with why intuitive eating is so beneficial to our health and the science behind that. Alright, so let's dive in. First of all, I wanted to give a huge shout out to the book, Intuitive Eating, A Revolutionary Anti-Diet Approach, because it was so, so helpful in organizing this episode, as well as giving me a bunch of my sources that I used for the science explained portion of this episode. So thank you, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch for that. So let's get started on, are you stuck in the diet mentality? So... First off, we can address the big red flags, which are following the rules of a diet and also using diet items such as detoxes, laxatives, diet teas, and meal replacements. Those are big red flags, the obvious ones that we can identify if you're trying to figure out whether you're stuck in the diet mentality. But then there are more subtle things such as restricting your intake, restricting your eating time window and then calorie and macro counting and cutting out food groups, as well as suppressing hunger with things such as coffee, diet soda, mint gum, and only sticking to safe foods such as low carb foods, low calorie foods, low fat foods, or fat free foods. So you can see the difference that it's not blatantly following a diet, but you still are trying to control your weight and controlling your intake through diety products, but not so blatantly following a specific diet. And then there's the even more sneaky diet stuff, which is just overall putting so much value on your body shape and size, as well as trying to live a quote-unquote healthy lifestyle, but it's so rigid in that you have no flexibility in your eating. So there's this huge preoccupation around food, and you assign a lot of your moral value to your food choices. So you deem the day as good or bad based on what you had for breakfast. And you have a bunch of guilt eating around your quote-unquote bad foods. But when you eat your quote-unquote good foods, you congratulate yourself on your willpower. You can also find yourself competing and comparing your intake and your food choices to your friends or your colleagues or your family members and putting yourself on a higher pedestal if you quote-unquote eat all the right things. And you can also find yourself compensating in ways such as exercise or other compensatory behaviors for eating bad foods or overindulging in these bad foods. So I hope that gave a little bit more insight on whether you are dieting or whether you are still stuck in the diet mentality. And now moving forward, we can discuss how you can break free from this diet mentality, and move towards a more intuitive relationship with food and your body. So what is intuitive eating? Intuitive eating is the intuitive and intrinsic mechanisms that we were all born with, but we have lost due to diet culture and the media as we've grown older. So intuitive eating is all about healing your relationship with your body, food, and exercise, and taking care of your body in a way that feels good instead of trying to change it. So this is not a diet. It's not the hunger fullness diet. It's not the you when you're hungry, stop when you're full, blah, blah, blah. It's not a means of weight loss. It's a means of accepting how you are and treating your body with respect. And the fact that this is so rare in society today is so sad, first of all. But second of all, it's obviously going to be that way because media and the diet industry are so pervasive that we don't know any better than to not trust our body around food. So media presents this thin ideal in a bunch of misinformation around nutrition. So we believe that we can't trust our body because we should be trying to change it and we should be constantly pursuing weight loss and health And then the diet industry tells us that we're bad if we're fat and we're failures for failing our diets and we should feel shame if we don't pursue health or thinness. And then it's also pushing out these new diets every month that are saying that they're the quick fixes and they're the quick fix we need to fix all of our problems and all of our self-confidence issues. So there's no wonder why we feel this way because all of the media that we are seeing on a day-to-day basis is telling us that our body is wrong and our body should look a different way and we should eat a different way. And all this subliminal and blatant messaging leads us to move further and further away from our body's intuitive drives towards eating and exercising because we constantly need to be changing our shape and our size in order to fit society's ideal image of beauty. Furthermore, even outside of the realm of beauty, every time you go to the doctor's office, they're prescribing weight loss as a means to fix all of your adverse health conditions because they believe that weight and quote-unquote overweight BMIs equals the highest risk for adverse health conditions such as type 2 diabetes and heart disease, whereas Weight cycling is actually the cause for this, and all the studies that have shown that a higher BMI is the reason for these adverse health markers, none of these studies control for weight cycling, and when a study does control for weight cycling, it's shown that weight cycling, regardless of size, is actually the indicator for all of these adverse health conditions. So on top of the media telling us that we have to change our body and change our size and shape, our doctors are also telling us that our shape and size is the reason that we're going to have health issues as we grow older. So one, we're wrong for looking a certain way. And two, this way that we look is going to be the reason that we're going to die. Obviously, I don't believe in that, but because of this messaging, We're taught to not trust our body and to override all of these internal cues as a way to control our weight, our size, our health, and all of that. And that's where intuitive eating comes in. Intuitive eating is based on the belief that our body knows what it needs and knows how to nourish itself and exercise in a healthy way in order to keep us from weight cycling from diets and to keep our mind and body at a happy and healthy place. Sounds great, right? So let's go over the 10 principles of intuitive eating and how you can become more in tune with your body. So the first principle of intuitive eating is rejecting the diet mentality. This means you have to get angry at diet culture and accept that dieting is a scam and that dieting does not work and it actually puts our health at an even greater risk. So you can start by cutting out all the diet media such as negative Instagram pages or those magazines that promote the thin ideal And just ditch the scale because your weight is not a measure of health. So once you believe that no matter what diet culture says, there's not a diet around the corner that's going to save you and that's going to solve all of your problems, you are ready to move on to the next step, which is honoring your hunger. This step can be so scary for a lot of people that struggle with disordered eating or dieting because we're taught to ignore these cues and to suppress them because we're taught that we're smarter than our bodies and we can trick our bodies into not needing the food that it actually does need to survive. So in order to recognize these, you can remember that gurgling, gnawing, or growling in the stomach is a sign of hunger and lightheadedness, difficulty concentrating, stomach pain, irritability, faint and headache are also signs of hunger. But so is preoccupation and a lot of thinking around food. If you are doing work and you catch yourself thinking more and more about your upcoming meal, chances are that you're actually quite hungry. And the great thing about this principle is that your body is more likely to stop eating when it's full when it knows you are going to feed it adequately the next time it's hungry. So after you agree to feed your body adequately and honor its hunger signals, You can move on to the third principle, which is making peace with food. This is where you give yourself unconditional permission to eat and that no food is off limits because when you create this ideology around certain foods that are forbidden, it creates a sense of deprivation and scarcity, which creates this last supper mentality. So when you do break from your quote-unquote good eating trend, you overindulge because you have the mindset that you won't be able to eat this again because it's quote unquote forbidden. So when you say that no food is off limits, some people get scared because they believe that they're never going to stop eating this food. However, as soon as you take away the appeal and the allure by creating all food is equal, your body is going to understand that you have access to this food whenever you want it, and so it doesn't crave it so ravenously anymore because it knows whenever it wants it, it's going to be there. And that brings us to the fourth principle. So once you create all food is equal and you begin to bring in the food that you previously deemed as forbidden, you're going to face a lot of food police, and that's the fourth principle of intuitive eating. Is challenging the food police. So, the food police are people who are wrapped up in diet culture that tell us that we need to feel guilty and worry around our food choices, as well as they just outright judge us for our food choices and tell us that we can't trust our body around these quote unquote bad foods. So, in order to challenge the food police, we have to challenge the good food, bad food mentality. So, after we give ourselves unconditional permission to eat all foods, We need to create all food as equal, and that involves checking the facts around our food beliefs. So what is true and valid about this belief around this certain food? This may involve doing some actual digging because diet culture loves to spread misinformation about certain foods such as carbs and fats and things like that. So check the facts and figure out what do these actually do for my body, and is it actually so bad? And what does this belief about this food do for me? Does it bring me any joy? Does it provide any sense of security? More than likely, that answer is going to be no. So once we begin to challenge those people who tell us we need to judge ourselves for our food and our choices, we inherently get rid of this good food, bad food mentality. In doing so, we remove our morality from our food choices, which means we are not inherently a bad person for choosing one food over the other. Now, the fifth principle is discovering the satisfaction factor. So when we're trying to decide which food we actually want, we have to figure out what's going to actually satisfy us. We've all been there when there's a dessert at a party, but we should go for the fruit salad because that's the quote-unquote healthier option. But more often than not, opting for that healthier option leaves us so unsatisfied. This is where we have to tap into our senses and figure out what we actually want and what we actually enjoy. So ask yourself, what do I feel like eating right now? Do I want something salty or something sweet or savory or sour or bitter? Do I want something that's crunchy or smooth or creamy? Do I want something that smells really good right now? Like what smells good to me? And what will satisfy my eyes? And do I want something that's hot or cold or lukewarm? Or do I want something that's heavier or light? How hungry am I? How is my stomach going to feel after this? And this also involves taking time to appreciate your food and really, really savoring it to really discover that satisfaction factor. Because so much of diet culture tells us, ugh, we don't have to actually like our food. We just, you know, get used to the healthy stuff. But overriding our body's natural desire for a certain food and craving for a certain food is actually unhealthy because our body knows what it needs. And it knows the minerals and vitamins and nutrients that it needs. So listening to those internal cravings is actually the healthiest thing you can do for yourself. So after we have chosen the food that we actually want to eat, and we have savored this food, it's time for the sixth principle, which is feeling your fullness. And once we have given ourselves unconditional permission to eat, and we know that we're going to fuel ourselves next time we're hungry by honoring our hunger, we know that we can finish when we're full because we will be able to fuel our body next time we do have those hunger cues. So this principle is all about being mindful while we're eating and eating without distraction so we can observe when we're no longer hungry and we can acknowledge when we're actually full. So don't feel obliged to finish your plate if you're no longer hungry, but also don't be forced to leave food left on your plate either if you're not full yet. Take away the judgment of food portions and food sizes and just allow yourself to be satisfied and feel full with whatever amount of food that needs to be. It's okay that in the beginnings of this stage, you may eat over your point of satiety because you are still trying to learn how to honor those cues. Okay, so after we have worked through those principles and we've become much more at peace with our relationship with food, here comes the point where we have to heal our relationship with ourselves. So, the 7th principle is cope with your emotions with kindness. This means dealing with the source of our emotions instead of resorting to food in the ways of binging or restricting. So, ask yourself, do I need comfort right now? Do I need distraction? Do I just need to numb some feelings? Because when we resort to behaviors such as binging or restricting, We're really just numbing out the feelings and we're not addressing the uncomfortable feelings that need to be addressed in order for us to move past them. Our dieting and our disordered relationship with food was a way for us to cope with our emotions, but it wasn't a healthy way because we weren't addressing those feelings as they came up. We were just ignoring them. That's why when beginning to intuitively eat, a lot of emotions may come up which may make intuitive eating harder as our coping skills have been either restricting or binging or anything like that. So that's why we need to find better coping skills and more productive coping skills that deal with our emotions in a kinder way. So this could be resting or expressing our feelings by drawing or writing or talking with someone or just straight up crying because that is actually so effective And Coping with our emotions could also look like engaging in stimulating, exciting, and joyful activities that could be a way of distracting from our feelings if we can't address them at that moment, but they also create a sense of self-worth and accumulate many positive emotions. So instead of ignoring our feelings through behaviors, we need to cope with our feelings through ways such as sitting with our emotions or talking through our emotions or crying through our emotions, or doing activities that make us feel good about ourselves. Another crucial part of intuitive eating that also makes us feel good about ourselves is the eighth principle, which is respecting your body. Respecting your body is all about meeting its basic needs in a comfortable and still positive way. So first, obviously, our bodies need to be fed and they need to be treated with dignity. In dieting and disordered eating, those are really taken away. So by listening to our hunger and our cravings, we are treating our body with dignity and we're feeding it adequately, which is two ways we can treat our body with respect. This is also about dressing comfortably in a style that you actually like. This can look like buying a new pair of jeans that actually fit you instead of trying to fit into a pair of jeans. It also involves body checking. Quit the body checking. You don't need to check the way you look in a mirror every 5 to 10 minutes. And two, you don't need to weigh or measure yourself anymore because your weight is not a measure of your self-worth. You also don't need to compare your bodies to another person's. Because you can accept your genetics and accept your body size and shape for what it is and appreciate what your body does for you. So treating your body with respect is all about the idea that we can appreciate what our body does for us instead of what it looks like. Our bodies serve us in so many ways that we take for granted. So why not be body neutral and work towards body acceptance and appreciate that our bodies get us to everywhere we need to go and get us to do all the things we love. So at the very least, we can be appreciative of that and wear clothes that actually fit it. All right, so the final two pillars of intuitive eating are the last two for a reason, because you have to work through all of the first eight principles in order to become at peace with food and your body in order to implement movement and gentle nutrition. So The ninth pillar, movement, feel the difference, is all about moving in a way that actually brings you joy and actually feels good. It's about getting away from the mentality of exercise equals calories out and focusing on how it feels to move your body in a way that brings you joy. You can also ask yourself questions like, do I handle stress better as a result of this exercise? Do I feel more energized? How does this improve my mood? Do I feel empowered and confident after doing this? Do I sleep better? And you can also focus on the benefits of this joyful movement, such as increase in bone strength and reduced heart disease risk, as well as your increased metabolism, mind function, and mood. It's also important to check in with yourself and recognize whether this exercise is becoming a way to punish you or if you feel obliged to do it. So if you're doing it regardless of sickness or injury, or if you feel guilt around not getting in a daily exercise, or if you're having a trouble time sleeping because that could be a result of overtraining, and also if you just have a fear of weight gain in general and you are forcing yourself to do exercise you're not happy with because your fear of gaining weight. Alright, the last and final step of intuitive eating is honor your health with gentle nutrition. Something to remember is that food is not the sole determinant of health and longevity. There are so many other factors that go into determining your health, such as your mental health and your social connections, your history of trauma, and just the social determinants of health, including poverty, where you live, In your access to health care and clean water. Those are so much more influential in determining your health and longevity than that piece of kale you ate on Tuesday last week. So remembering that one food or one meal does not make you healthy or unhealthy. So making food choices that honors your health and your taste preferences and makes your body feel good and nourished is all about what gentle nutrition is. It's about learning not to sacrifice either your health or your taste because you can do so by incorporating both. So this is definitely a learned skill where you consider the sensual qualities of food by still honoring how you feel after eating this food. So you can ask yourself, do I actually like and enjoy eating this food? And how does my body feel after eating this food consistently? And does this food give me energy? But also check in with yourself. Am I able to choose a food that's less nutritious without feeling any guilt or any disordered thoughts? So this is the last principle for a reason. Because a lot of people still have the diet mentality even when they reach this step. So it's important to check in with yourself to make sure that you're actually at a peaceful place with your body and food in order to start implementing this gentle nutrition. And remember, you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. It's just about the overall pattern and that one food does not determine your health or your status. All right, so you just finished all 10 principles of intuitive eating. So let's discuss why intuitive eating is so beneficial to our physical, mental, emotional, and social health. So for physical health, a scholarly review actually revealed that intuitive eating allows our body to absorb more nutrients as our body is less tense because when we're eating a food that we don't actually enjoy, it's increasing our stress, which is inhibiting our digestive system to work properly. Intuitive eating has also been shown to lower triglyceride levels and blood pressure as well as raise good cholesterol, which is HDL cholesterol. And if you remember from last week's episode, weight cycling and chronic dieting was shown to actually result in higher triglyceride levels and higher blood pressure. The inverse effects are shown clearly with intuitive eating. Intuitive eating was also shown to promote weight stability, which, as stated in last week's episode again, protects against heart disease and type 2 diabetes. And a large pushback against intuitive eating is the idea that people believe once you have permission to eat all foods, you're only going to eat the quote-unquote bad foods or unhealthy foods all the time and live a sedentary lifestyle because who wants to exercise all the time? But actually, that's not the case. In a study of over 350 college students, intuitive eating was shown to have a greater variety in the diet and greater motivation to exercise when the exercise was focused on enjoyment. Meaning that intuitive eating results in a balanced diet and healthy relationship with exercise, two of the large factors in determining one's physical health. Intuitive eating has also shown to do wonders with one's mental and emotional health. In a meta-analysis of over 24 studies published between 2006 and 2015, intuitive eating was shown to increase mental resilience, optimism, as well as appreciation and satisfaction for one's body and life. Furthermore, in a 2012 study of over 500 middle school-aged children, Intuitive eating was associated with less internalization of thin ideals, as well as fewer mood problems and lower body dissatisfaction among middle-aged students. And finally, intuitive eating has also shown to increase social health as well, because when you are engaging in disordered or dieting behaviors, you tend to isolate yourself so, as you create a more peaceful relationship with your body, food, and movement, you become less isolated and take more pleasure and ease around social eating. So, the key takeaway is that it is possible to tap into that intuitive eater we were all born as. And in doing so, we can improve our physical, mental, emotional, and social health. All right, friends, that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And stay tuned for a new episode where I help you debunk diet culture's myths coming in the next couple weeks. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can find us at thedietdump.com or on our platforms at The Diet Dump on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and always remember to check the facts.